the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Monday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado. Hey, Damian, happy Monday to you. Yes, uh, happy Bosses Day. Is it? Yes. Is it Boston? It is. Today well, is Boston Day. And uh, in fact, David Dawson, our boss, he's off gallivanting somewhere celebrating Boston's Day with his boss, his yes. wife, Lisa. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great day. It's also the feast day of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And so uh, we're going to offer up a prayer that she wrote years ago, and uh, we'll begin our show with, with that. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. O mild and bountiful heart, be likewise my refuge at the hour of death, my justification before God, and ward off from me the penalty of his just wrath. O loving heart, I place my trust entirely in you, while I fear everything from my own malice, I hope for everything from your goodness. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We will learn more about our Saint of the Day later on in today's show, but we wanted to give a warm welcome to our viewers over on WLAE-TV in the New Orleans area. We're so grateful to be on WLAE this morning and beyond. And thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Welcome to Wake Up. We have a wonderful lineup for you today, starting off at 7 after. Kelly Bourgeois will be with us. She is a Catholic artist, and she's talking about the Missionaries of St. Therese fundraiser and raffle item painting. You can go to ccmedia.live, look at our calendar webs, uh, calendar <laughs> at events and news, and take a look at the raffle on there. This is a big event for the Missionaries of St. Therese, so definitely take a look and support them. In 18 minutes, Patrick Flynn joins us. He's a Catholic writer, philosopher, and speaker. And today he he's talking about his book called The Best Argument for God. I'm looking forward to having this discussion and conversation with Patrick today. And in 35 minutes, Alan Migliorato joins us. He's a co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. And every Monday, we talk about raising Catholic teens in today's world. And it's always a fruitful conversation with Alan Looking forward to that. And in 48 minutes, Dr. Ben Duet joins us. He's a new executive director of Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. And we're going to be talking about his new role, how it's been so far, and what he's excited about as the new director. So new executive director. Got to make sure you add the executive part. Uh, it's important. So 
Looking forward, Damien, to these wonderful guests today. Well, yes, that indeed, and also looking forward to the weather. In fact, not only is it going to be a great day, it's going to be a fantastic week when it comes to the weather. Plenty of sunshine. High is going to be about 71, low 47. We'll warm up a little each and every day as the week rolls on. In fact, by Friday, we'll be in the mid-80s. It will be breezy, though. Winds right now out of the north-northwest at 10 to 15 miles an hour. No rain expected in the forecast. Temperatures in and around the area. Covington, it's 50 degrees. In Gulfport, it's 51. Homa Thibodeau showing 53-degree temperatures. In Baton Rouge, it's 53. And in New Orleans, Crescent City right now, 58 degrees. little breezy, <laughs> but overall, it's going to be a beautiful day. Yes, it will be. And uh, bundle up this morning, especially. It's cold. <laughs> We're getting into that time. You guys know how I love my warmth. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Those in New Orleans are going to really find out how much you like the warmth <laughs> as time goes on. And we, again, hello to all of you watching us today on WLAE. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Well, stay with us. We have your gospel, and we're talking to Kelly Bourgeois when we come back from the break. It is five past the hour. I'll wake up. Today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 11. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for today's gospel. Well, it's eight past the hour on Wake Up. Thanks for tuning in. Kelly Bourgeois now joins us. She's a Catholic artist, and today she's talking about the missionaries of St. Therese fundraiser and a raffle item painting. And if you are watching us right now on our stream, then you'll be able to see that. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. How are you? I am doing great, and what a beautiful painting uh, that you are raffling off. Um, take us through it. This is to support the missionary work of the church through the Missionaries of St. Therese fundraiser, uh, an absolute beautiful portrait of one of the most beloved saints in our history. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I love her, too. She's, um, she's such a special saint. So uh, the Missionaries of St. Therese, um, was founded 78 years ago in 1948 in New Orleans by a group of 12 ladies who wanted to carry on the goal of St. Therese of Lisieux just to make God known, loved, and adored to the ends of the earth. And they implored St. Therese's belief in doing simple things with great love. And their purpose is to offer prayers and sacrifices for the mission work of the church. And throughout the archdiocese, they have different groups, um, you know, within the missionaries of St. Therese, and those groups are called circles. Mm, and each year nice. they do different... Mm -hmm. So each year they do 
a fundraiser. They do different things. They have, like, gift baskets that they'll raffle, bake sales, um, an annual luncheon that we have coming up this week, and different auctions just to, again, help support the mission work. It's amazing. We're so glad to have them in our local area as well. You're painting. How long did it take you to paint this beautiful image of St. Therese? So um, just to kind of introduce how it came to be, so um, the leader of my circle, Circle 72, out of Holy Rosary and Our Lady the Most Holy Rosary in Hornville, she had told us about how the missionaries of St. Therese do a fundraiser every year, and she asked us to start praying about um, just how we would contribute as a circle. And uh, soon after that, the Holy Spirit commissioned me to paint Therese, um, and then we could raffle that painting. And I'm constantly being commissioned to create paintings for my clients or my art collectors. It's most of what I do as an artist. But when the Holy Spirit commissioned you to do something, it's totally (laughs) different. (laughs) So I couldn't say no for sure. But, um, yeah, I was just inspired to paint her as she looked here on earth because I feel like before I took the time to really know who she was, I never really knew what she looked like. And so that was important to me to convey her, like, what she looked like here on earth. And I ended up using the image of her that's on the cover of her autobiography, The Story of a Soul, um, Mm -hmm. as a reference for her face. I was just kind of drawn to the grin that she had and her youthfulness. And I also wanted to have her holding a single rose, like extending it out to the viewer, since she's known for sending roses to those who call upon her intercession. So um, I think that also makes this painting unique because I've, I've never really seen her depicted like extending her hand out yeah. like that. Well, she's such a beloved so. saint in our in our circle, in our faith. Um, and I think honestly, beyond our faith, she's one of our those saints who uh, a lot of people look up to uh, as well. But so the drawing for this painting is actually coming up in a couple of days. Can you tell our listeners yes. what they can do to possibly win this painting? Yeah, so um, if anyone is interested in getting tickets, the tickets or for one chance, it's $5, or if you get five tickets, it's $20. Um, like you said, the winner will be drawn at our Rose Petal Social Luncheon, which is this one, this one that you don't need to be present to win. Um, and if you wanted to get tickets, you can call Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary in Hornville. Um, the number there is 985-783-1199. Or you could also go to the Missionaries of St. Therese website. Um, that's archnomo.org slash missionaries. Of St. Therese. You can also do a quick Google search for that and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they could get tickets there. Yes, it's also on our website as well at ccmedia.live. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's for for the majority of the month of October, so you'll be able to see that. So the drawing to win this painting is coming up in a couple of days on October 18th. Like Kelly said, you don't need to be present to win and it's $5 per chance and five chances Uh for $20. So 
you could win this beautiful sacred image of St. Therese, and it's just absolutely breathtaking from a local artist, Kelly Bourgeois. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, real quick, give us those details uh, one more time on how maybe they can find out more information about your work. Um, so about my work, you could go to my website, which is studiokbart.com. But I do mostly keep up with my artwork on my Facebook page, which is Studio KB by Kelly Bourgeois. And um, you could see more of my Catholic art there, too. Wonderful. We're always looking for ways to support local Catholic artists. So thank you so much, Kelly Bourgeois, Catholic artist. Today she talked about the Missionaries of St. Therese fundraiser and raffle item painting. ccmedia.live. Click on events and use and check out that calendar for more information on how you can win this beautiful image. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being with us today. Thank you. All right. Definitely check out our website for various events happening in our local area. And you can actually submit yours for free at ccmedia.live under events and news. Stay with us. We have more for you. Also, our saint of the day It is 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 16th. Today we celebrate St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. After considering and rejecting marriage, Margaret Mary entered the Order of Visitation Nuns at 24. Two days after Christmas in 1674, she received the first of several revelations in which Christ emphasized His love for humanity. In apparitions over the next 13 months, Jesus stressed that His human heart was to be the symbol of His divine human love. By her own love, Sister Margaret Mary was to make up for the coldness and ingratitude of the world. This would be accomplished by frequent reception of Holy Communion, especially on the first Friday of each month, and by an hour's vigil of prayer every Thursday night in memory of Jesus' agony in Gethsemane. The Lord also instructed her to institute a feast of reparation to His heart. Theologians who were called in declared that Margaret Mary's visions were delusions, but a new confessor, Jesuit Father Claude de la Colombière, recognized her genuineness and supported her. Margaret Mary Alacoque died in 1690 and was canonized in 1920. Begun privately in 1686, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus was extended to the Universal Church 75 years later. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Collado. Hey, Damian, we have some new viewers today from WLAE TV. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Of course, all of those who are also watching us on Catholic Live TV, our Facebook, YouTube channel, our website, and listening to us through our app and various other platforms. Thank you so much for tuning your heart to the truth. These are your donations at work, and we're so grateful to have you with us today. Real quick, you know, there's a big event coming up in a couple of weeks, Damien, and that is Catholic Man Night. And I have to say, reservations are going by quickly, but it's also 
quickly approaching. Tell our listeners about this wonderful event of fellowship. Yes, November 8th. It's going to be a great night at White Oak uh, Estate and Gardens. John Foles always puts on a great food uh, display, to say the least, not to mention delicate delicacies that you'll enjoy the entire evening. It's a rolling buffet. What that means is he's got it spread out throughout the grounds. Everything mm-hmm. from gumbo to raw oysters to a cochon delay, uh, shrimp and grits. I could go on and on, but take up half the <laughs> show. Uh, but the food is great. The drinks are great. And it's a great evening. Uh, in fact, Mike Fulmer is uh, with Berryland Campers is our guest speaker. And he's going to be uh, doing a talk on St. Michael, uh, as well as uh, some other topics that he wants to touch on. And we're also going to have a live painting being done while Mike Fulmer is speaking and while the event is going mm-hmm. on Jacob Zumo is going to do a live painting for us that will auction off by the end of the evening so that's just some of it 125 a person it's really not asking too much the monies go to help keep Catholic uh, community radio and media on the air both television wise mm-hmm. and radio wise and of course on uh, video streaming as well so if you get a chance go to our website ccmedia.live and you'll be able to get a ticket uh, we still have yeah. about 40 tickets left so we're getting close to sold out so uh, hurry up and sign up uh, tables you get a little bit of a discount a thousand dollars for a table of 10 so uh, again ccmedia.live for that and uh, definitely uh, our guest our next guest is alan migliorato he's a regular with us every monday morning and today we're always talking about teens but in particular how social media impacts teens in today's world and we're going to look at the good the bad and the ugly of social media good morning alan hey good morning y'all happy to be back with you yeah, you know, social media has become an essential part of our society, especially for our young adults and young teenagers. And uh, it, it's effective when it comes to communication with others. It also allows us to connect with people that we may not get to see on a regular basis and uh, sharing information as well. But it can also have its challenges, too. So I'm going to bounce the ball right back into your court. Where do you want to start with the good, the bad or the ugly? Uh, let's start with the bad and the ugly, because I think that's what, uh, that's what a lot of us notice first with social media is that, you know, it's kind of mindless scrolling. Like sometimes, you know, you've got your thumb kind of scrolling up in a circular motion on your phone and you don't even realize what you're doing, you know, and, and, and it's almost like a habit for some kids to fall asleep. Now it can also cause a lot of stress. And there's some kids that are having recently that I've noticed, um, a lot of problems with sleep. And it's a lot of, there's been studies done on this, you know, and their, their, their rapid eye movements, their REMs during their sleep uh, process is being um, basically dissolved because their, their, their eyes are moving in such a rapid fashion right before their sleep and they're looking at the stimulating, sort of stimulating images and, and one after another in very short attention spans and it's uh, not allowing them to sleep while while they're trying to sleep because they're looking at their phone so they recommend like an hour half an hour before bedtime you stop looking at your phone completely that's not what Mm -hmm. kids are doing what they're doing with social media is scrolling until they go to sleep and fall asleep and then they wake up because their hands and their phones in their hand and it buzzes or something or vibrates and they're looking at what somebody else posted they're also always looking for somebody else's approval. So these are the bad things that can come out of social media. If you look at it like consuming, we're consuming social media. If we were consuming 
food, like we're consuming social media, we would all be gluttons. We would, every one of us, we would be looked at as gluttons because we're on so many different platforms. There's not just Facebook anymore. There's Facebook, there's Instagram. There's always a new one coming out. There's, mm-hmm. there's Twitter, which is now X. There's in, and there's Snapchat, and like kids will just take pictures at random and snap it to their friends because that's where they are. And there's, they've not been taught how to consume social media in a healthy way. And there is a healthy way to consume it. Like you said, you know, you have friends or family that you haven't seen, and it's, it's almost like a way to kind of keep them updated in what you're doing. But then even for adults, it turns into us posting things about just nonsense just to post and getting worked up about things that we have no power or control over. Yeah. So it's one of those topics that we've got to be super super diligent on discerning how much we're using and how much we're consuming or is it consuming us? Right. And and that is a concern, the addiction aspect of social media. It can lead to a lack of productivity, depression, anxiety, and now we're hearing about suicide. Mm-hmm. And the short and honestly the short attention spans that are going along with this are are adding to all of that. You know, years ago when I started doing youth ministry over, you know, almost two decades ago, you could put like a flyer up, you know, at the church and hey, we're going to have a uh, a party this weekend for the for the teens, there's going to be a dance, invite your friends, and we'd have 150 kids show up with their friends, you know, or 100 kids. Now you've got to tell them two weeks before and then you got to tell them five days before, then you got to tell them a day before, and then a couple of hours before, because the, the attention span is not there anymore. It's not something that they'll plan for, put it in a planner and show up. They are completely inundated with these messages that, that just overflow them. It overstimulates them. You know, their, their senses are just completely numb at times. Yeah. And then you have uh, what, what comes with that is indifference. It's not that they don't really care. It's that they don't know what to care about. And so they're not being taught to stand for anything. They're taught to accept everything. And there's a problem with that because a lot of messages on social media or messages on social media can be twisted for the purpose of, you know, changing kids and bringing kids away from God. Well, the decline mm-hmm. also in, in the face-to-face communication, it's, it's almost like it's creating uh, what is called cocooning, where they feel like they don't have to come in contact and have communication with someone individually on a, on a one-on-one basis. And when they do, they, they don't know how to react. I'm hearing relationships with our teens are becoming more and more difficult. It really is. I, I just had a talk. A parent, excuse me, a parent that I know had a had asked me to have a talk with her son. He got thrown out of school for doing something bad. And I said, Yeah, I'll talk with him. And we had we met for coffee. And and uh, he's you know in high school now. But one of the things that I noticed right away when we we're talking is like there's zero eye contact. And I know he mm-hmm. was kind of ashamed of what he did and was getting thrown out of school. But I said, Hey, buddy, before we go any further. I, I respect you, and I want to make sure that I feel respected, too. So can we always have eye contact when we're talking? And it was a really awkward thing for him to do. And I said, no, you're doing great. You know, just let's, just keep, let's keep communicating. And by the end of it, he's mm-hmm. fine, but it's still like you can see, like, they don't know how to communicate in person because electronically you can have all the courage and say all the things you want. You just drop things in space, and there's no consequence immediately. So you've got to be careful with, like, teach our kids to have face-to-face interactions, shake hands with people when you see them, you know, 
communicate. Don't always be on your phone. Limit some time for your kids and encourage them to limit their own time on their phones. So what can parents do to help overcome some of these negative aspects of social media, Alan? Well, I think it's not just one answer. I, I really oh, believe I agree. it's, uh, it's yeah, constant, no. you know, it's a constant dialogue with our kids. It's constant communication. It's keeping that door open. And, you know, and, and honestly, like social media is not the devil. It's, it's what we do with it that mm-hmm. makes it the devil. So, like, we've got to be careful not to demonize everything that our kids want to do, because if we grew up with this stuff around us, we'd probably be doing the same thing. So it's learning how to walk with our kids and bring them to Christ through all the things they're going through by saying, hey, listen, I know that this is really important to you. Um, I notice also that you're spending a lot of time on it. What do you think would be good for, you know, kind of limiting the amount of time? And let your kids come up with it. It's like I used to ask my kids, what do you think your punishment should be for what you did? And sometimes they come up with worse stuff than I would ever come up with, you know. (laughs) And, And it shows, like, well, they're really thinking. They really understand that they did something that needs correction. So let your kids, you know, come up with, what do you think we could do to kind of limit the amount of time that you're on the phone? Because if you don't come up with something that I think is is appropriate, I'll help you with it. Yeah, you said good guidelines and also lead by example. Don't be on your phone all the time because uh, you, you, you better practice what you preach. Now, we only have about a minute and a half. I do want to touch on some of the pros and the, the positive aspects of social media. And, and it, one of them is the staying in connection. I, I still stay connected with high school friends, and I've been out of high school almost 50 years now. But I, I love the fact that that's where Facebook comes in, wishing people happy birthday and things of that nature. Well, even the positives can, can be a Trojan horse at times because the positives are, yeah, I can stay in contact with people I went to high school with. The negative is I don't need to go to my high school reunion anymore because I know what they're all doing. No, not, uh, not so, in my oh, case. No. I'm looking forward to our yeah. 50th. Man, the Shalmet Fight Now's 50th anniversary, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, reunion is coming up. There ain't no way I'm going to miss that, but go ahead. No, I think that's a good point. I probably just didn't like a lot of people in high school, so that's, that's maybe, that may be just as me. There's that FOMO. Hey. Oh, my gosh, I just realized that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you got to do that. Well, Alan, where can folks go if they want to learn more? Because I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to teens, you're the man to go to. You've got great advice. Uh, what's your website so folks can tune in and, and pick up more information that we're talking about today? Well, Jesus is the man to go to, but you guys can follow me if you'd like, and I'll bring you to him. You can go to AdventureCatholic.com or on Facebook. If you like social media, I'm there at Adventure Catholic. All right. Alan Migliorato, thank you for being with us on Wake Up. It's 30 After. It is 35 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Colado. Our next guest is Pat Flynn. He is a Catholic writer, philosopher, and speaker. And today he is talking about his book called The Best Argument for God. Good morning, Pat. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's wonderful to be here, Gabby. Thank you so much. Definitely. Okay, well, let's talk about your book, The Best Argument for God. And I have to say, when I first took a look at just the title, it was intriguing, and I had to learn a little bit more. This is something that's really, uh, it pulls people in, and you're like, arguing God, but uh, take take us through it. Yeah, well, we, we live in a very skeptical culture. This is no surprise. In fact, I was a skeptic myself for many years. I would have considered myself an atheist or a naturalist. And a naturalist is just somebody who 
is not only an atheist, but tries to give a, a philosophical perspective from, from an atheistic worldview, which maintains that there is no God or anything like God out there. Everything sort of reduces to whatever the science science gives us. And by science, people typically think something like physics and chemistry. So that was where I was coming from. And it wasn't even that I had any particular animus against religion or bias against a religious worldview. I just really didn't know any better. You know, growing up as a, as a kid in the, in the 90s and going all the way through college, it was just more or less assumed that belief in God was fine. You know, I guess if that was something that you're into, but that's all that it was, was just something that you're into. It wasn't something that could be rationally grounded or, you know, philosophically adjudicated or something like that. And long story short, just from the perspective of personal biography, as I ultimately came to see that the atheistic worldview really could not explain uh, so many of the aspects of experience that, that need to be explained, including why anything exists at all, or human consciousness, mm-hmm. or the moral dimension. So I eventually gave it up, but it took me many more years to really come, come full circle, as, as it was, because I was, I was, in fact, baptized Catholic. I just never had a, uh, any serious religious upbringing or catechesis, but through a continued kind of philosophical searching for ultimate explanation and intelligibility, I came to see the real intellectual muscle, not just behind the theistic perspective, but the Catholic faith as well. I mean, it is, it is seriously intellectually rigorous. So a lot of what I'm hoping to do in this book is just bring forth so much of those, uh, of the rich philosophical tradition that is embedded in our Catholic faith that for whatever reason has sort of been lost, or most people, unfortunately, are just uh, quite ignorant of. Pat, you make such great points, and I'm just thinking of the people around us currently, especially around my family, who have fallen away from the church or and stopped believing in God altogether. And hearing their arguments, I really think that they should pick up a copy of your book, honestly. Uh, but I know everyone's journey is different on how they have come back to the Lord or come back to the church. Can you take us through how, how long did it take you t- for it to just click and in turn, write something like this? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me, it was, it was many years. And I think for a lot of people, whether it's a, a move uh, toward belief in God or a move away, there's, there's usually not one single event that, that completely causes mm-hmm. a paradigm shift. Usually it's a series of considerations and experiences over time. Uh, we're kind of beaten into or beaten out of particular perspectives or, or worldviews. And it's not always rational, if we're being honest. You know, a lot of times we're pulled by our passions and emotions, too. So the philosopher's job is to try and set that, set that aside and just try to use the light of reason to discern, you know, what, what, what actually makes the most sense of reality from a, from a big picture perspective. That's, that's the term that philosophers like to use, a big picture perspective or worldview. Uh, so for me, it was it was about a decade, honestly, of of think, trying to think through an atheistic perspective, ultimately coming to conclude that atheism or naturalism really cannot explain everything that I think needs to be explained from existence to consciousness, morality, human free will, and indeed religious experiences. I found all the attempted explanations hugely inadequate when you examine the actual details of them. And then I actually turned towards a lot of pagan thinkers for many years, going back to Plato and Aristotle and finding a lot of rich and far more satisfying insights in these thinkers, and then finally making my way not just to St. Thomas Aquinas, but the great Thomistic tradition, everybody who sort of followed in the footsteps of St. Thomas. And what I found there was a really, really and truly a completion of perennial philosophy, a completion and refinement of so many of the insights that I found attractive and satisfying in many of the great pagan thinkers 
not just synthesizing those pagan thinkers, but also bringing it into harmony uh, with revealed religion as well. So it was a long journey and process for me. And in this book, I, I wanted to take special care for people who are skeptical, but sincerely seeking mm-hmm. and try and offer the best, you know, rational case that I can for belief in God and understanding that, you know, for a lot of people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time to really consider this. It's not an easy debate. But I do think it is a debate. Mm-hmm. It is a debate that can be had and can be fruitful. Pat, we were talking about social media and the impact on young adults and teens right before your interview today. And I think that social media, especially TikTok, has a lot to play with uh, paganistic views nowadays. Where you know, being one with the earth, of course, there are certain ways that you can go outside and connect with nature and God, and that's one thing. But seeing it as an idol is another thing. Uh, and I think right. that that is being bombarded a lot of the times with young adults on social media um, and seeing, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But God doesn't make sense. Or why does God allow bad things to happen? Or, you know, and I know that now aliens are being thrown into the mix now. Yeah, that seems right. to be the hot topic on social media these days. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, my gosh, different things. You know, of course, the universe is so vast and and God is so infinite and, and, and can be a, a mystery. Um, but talk about that. And for those sure. parents who are, or, or young adults who are struggling with this concept of believing in a one true God when all of that noise is going on around them. Yeah, well, it, what you bring up is, is hugely relevant. And in fact, it's more relevant than atheism. You know, one thing I've had to come to, to realize is even though that I sort of am coming from an atheistic background, which really is a reductionistic one, maintaining that there's not only no God, but anything like God, um, that is still, you know, statistically, that is a very minority position. Really, what you find more commonly is people moving away from, say, traditional uh, Christianity or Catholicism really towards a, a neo-paganism, right? <laughs> that's, that's what you're describing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're still mm-hmm. open to the idea of, of a sort of vague transcendence, a, a higher spiritual realm, a life force, something like that, right? Or it's really a sort of pantheism, right? That nature is God, in a sense, you know, a lowercase g God. So what do I have to say about that, or what does my book have to say about that? Actually, quite a lot, because I think one of the uh, I think some of the best cases against atheism count just as much against this, this, uh, these ideas of paganism, uh, against pantheism, that when we think very deeply about the structure of reality, we find that certain things are just inadequate in terms of being able to explain their own inclusion in reality, their own existence, mm-hmm. including the universe. Uh, in fact, yeah. in the first section of my book, I develop what's called a cosmological argument, where I argue that anything finite, anything contingent, must ultimately be explained by something infinite, qualitatively infinite, and non-contingent, which really gets you to a God of classical theism, a God that is radically distinct from the natural order and the creator and sustainer of the natural order. So whatever else nature is, it is not divine. Uh, if, you're wor- if you're worshiping nature, you might as well be worshiping a toaster, because they're really on the sort of same metaphysical par. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of a polemical point, but I think it's, it's, it's ultimately philosophically sound. So even though my, my primary target in this book is an atheistic naturalism, I believe many of the arguments will apply and help people to think more clearly about not just God's existence, but God's nature as distinct from the natural realm. So I think it is, I think it is relevant, even if only indirectly, to some of the concerns yeah. we've embraced. I honestly think that your book is so needed right now. Uh, Just the most perfect timing to have you join us to talk about this. There's so much noise out there and so many different things that people have been gravitating toward and that a lot of the times can be away from 
the one true God in our Catholic faith. So Patrick, where can they go and pick up a copy of your book, The Best Argument for God? Yeah, well, thank you so much. The book officially releases tomorrow, so it's, uh, it's an exciting time for me. Uh, it's on the publisher mm. website, so people can uh, find it over at <clears throat> Sophia's website. The publisher is Sophia Press. But, of course, it's, on, it's at all the usual places, including Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and all that uh, stuff as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Patrick Flynn, Catholic writer, philosopher, and speaker, and uh, author of the book, The Best Argument for God. Pat, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Gabby. It's been a joy. All right. You can also check out uh, his book at our local Catholic bookstores. Please go and support them as well. Stay with us. Wake Up Returns, 45 past the hour. everyone october 16th 12 minutes before the top of the hour time to get up get going you're listening to wake up damian colano gabby smith and with us right now dr ben duay he is the executive director of catholic charities and the home of thibodeau diocese in fact he's uh, just taken over the helm just a couple months ago and we're glad to have him on our show this morning how are things going so far doc Hi, Damien. They're going splendid. It's it's a pleasure to join the show this morning. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And, uh, you know, you're always faced with some new challenges, uh, no matter what role you take when you're in a new position. Uh, what were some of the things you were initially faced with that um, you're already working to overcome? Sure. So I think within our organization, there's been some uh, changes at the uh, the leadership helm and just some some continuity structure purposes and so uh, trying to lay that foundation and really get uh, the Ministry of Catholic Charities within our diocese uh, to the forefront and uh, letting all of those folks within our diocese know all the available resources and services that we have to offer to help those with the most need within our diocese. And I could see where you have a big diocese to cover, uh, whether it's in uh, Grand Isle or, uh, you know, Homa, Thibodeau, not to mention Raceland. I mean, there. when you start looking at the territory that, that you have to make sure you're overseeing, it's a challenge, to say the least. Um, but you you kind of taken on the role just in your background, sort of like a servant leadership role, to say the least. That's absolutely correct, Damien. Um, you said it. We serve Lafouche, Terrebonne, Grand Isle, uh, even expanding into Morgan City. Uh, we have 39 parishes that we're responsible for helping those, you know, in the most need. And unfortunately, as we sit here, uh, middle of October 2023, we still have so many people uh, that were severely and negatively impacted from uh, the devastation from Hurricane Ida that are still in great need. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to attend a Bayou Region Hunger Summit last week um, for those folks and, and the data and statistics out there that uh, within our diocese at the local level that are still struggling, um, it just it, it, it pulls at your heartstrings. Um, so we have, we have a large contingency that we're responsible for, 
and we don't take it lightly. Um, we want to ensure that those that, that need our help and assistance, uh, they will receive it. Well, I know it, it's hard to believe that people are still struggling with uh, the aftermath of Ida. What are some of the things that are still needed? What, where are their challenges or struggles? So we still have in the South Lafouche community, um, in Lafouche Parish, uh, way what we consider and call and term down the bayou. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many blue tarps still on the roof. Really? So, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, in fact, one of the one of the big uh, events we have coming up in the month of November is our I Give Catholic uh, campaign. Uh, we have advanced giving days that'll run between November the 13th through November 27th um, with the actual I Give Catholic Day for Catholic Charities slated for November the 28th. And so on that day, what we will be focusing on is utilizing donations uh, that are received to go towards um, some new beds for our assisted bridge house clients, purchasing supplies for our St. Lucie Daycare Center uh, students, mm-hmm. uh, certain food bank needs, and then uh, we have already received a generous uh, gift in the form of a match donation from a donor that wishes to remain anonymous, uh, upwards to $75,000 to go towards our individual mm. and family assistance uh, ministry. So uh, that's significant. We're very grateful for that uh, anonymous donation. That is wonderful. And as far as some of the uh, programs that you had, you mentioned the Assisi Bridge House. Share with everyone what that consists of. So the Assisi Bridge House is a, uh, a ministry for, uh, for male individuals that are, that are struggling. Um, it's an, they participate in a 90 day program to uh, get the, get the help and counseling that they need uh, to get back into society and get them moving in the right direction. And so uh, they get back into going to uh, the, the church of their choice. They work with counselors in individual and group sessions, uh, do some of those hands-on work around the house and in the community um, with hopes of improving their future outlook. And, uh, and those guys, uh, I had the opportunity uh, my first week um, to meet with those clients, to meet with the staff, and really hear their stories. And um, it was just a phenomenal and, uh, and moving experience to hear their stories and really truthfully hear uh, when they would speak the remorse, uh, you know, the, uh, the regretfulness that they, that they held. But my message to those, to those men was, you had a setback in your life. We all do at one point or another. And my message simply to them was, do not let one, one moment of your life define you. It does not define you. You have plenty of life ahead of you to make a positive impact and contribution. Um, you all will achieve successful uh, things into your futures. Very good. We're talking to Dr. Ben Douay. He is the new executive director at Catholic Charities in Homa Thibodeau. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to focus on a program that I've not seen in a lot of uh, dioceses, but I, it caught my eye. When it comes to the homeless, you have Homeless Backpack Program, 
which offers, uh, I think it's a great idea, ponchos, toiletries, socks, first aid kits, mm-hmm. lotion. What are the needs for that backpack that you pack it with to give to the homeless? All of the above, if that's if that's a, a, a justifiable answer for you. But no, you know, on a serious basis, uh, socks are actually one of the uh, top requested and needed items for the homeless. Um, in fact, one of my uh, into the future, one of the one of the uh, tasks that I would love to incorporate for. Uh, the diocese and Catholic charities in general is a, is an opportunity. Uh, one thing about me and those at the diocese and our organization have come to realize in my short tenure is I consider myself a bow tie and crazy sock connoisseur. <laughs> and so, in this in this environment, so many folks uh, love to wear those crazy socks. And so, being that that is. Uh, combined with one of the top requested needs and requests for the homeless. Um, there's been several that have been uh, incorporated across the country, and I don't see anything locally, and I would love to do it as a form of uh, giving back, is to uh, have a crazy sock, yeah. basically business for Catholic charities, and basically working with our superintendent of the schools and some of the other stakeholders within the diocese uh, to certainly uh, design certain sock features local to our area that mean uh, so much to us, whether it's school mascots, sugar cane. Yeah, you could you could uh, make it a nice fundraiser uh, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, and then with every pair with every pair that it's sold, uh, we would donate another pair. Awesome. Dr. Ben Douay, sorry we're out of time, but thank you so much for being with us. By the way, maybe Crazy Socks for Souls, huh? That could be the name of the campaign. Just came to <laughs> mind great. here. I love it. Uh, in in the meantime, it. keep up the good work in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Thanks for being with us this morning on Wake Up. All right. Well, let's pray for the folks in Israel, Gaza, and the Mideast right now. In the name of the mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. As we pray urgently for peace, we recall especially all the families and individuals suffering from these events. We call on the faithful, and we also call on all people of goodwill to not grow weary and to continue to pray for peace. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.